Hey, it's V, your host of Unseen, The Trafficking Truth. It's a new podcast giving people like myself, survivors, and victims of sex trafficking, a platform to be heard through their survivor story. And I want survivors to be heard, to feel seen. And I just want to give you some of the truths behind this trafficking crisis that is upon us in the United States, the complexities and the violent nature of sex trafficking crimes. These are going to be stories that never make it to headlines. Victims go to police stations or advocates and they don't believe their story. From survivors who never feel heard. Please keep in mind, listener discretion is advised. So living at my uncle, auntie's house for a while, maybe I would say two months. That's a long time coming out of college and they're expecting you to land your first job and everything like that. Um, I'm a solid 23 years old. Solid. Solid. Um, You know, nice, petite, young girl, whatever. So I got a job. Thank goodness. (laughs) Toot my own horn. And and I'm telling you, this is like 2005, y'all. So all the younger kids that don't know about fax machines, we had to fax their freaking resumes. I to, remember those. Yes, fax the resumes to potential employers and wait for a call back. So I got a call back, and it was an awesome job. I don't know why. Like, that's not funny. It's <laughs> real, but, like, I mean, I almost feel like you can do a whole podcast just on that job that you held. <laughs> That's crazy. And you were 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It actually was one of my really good experiences, but that's when MySpace came out. Oh my goodness. Did your MySpace have like a glittery background? Girl, it had everything. I had the music in the background. I had whatever stuff falling down. I don't know if it was hearts or whatever. I had my top, how many friends could you have? Top five? Oh yeah. I think it was like top five and like Tom, everybody had Tom as like one of the, Tom was like the founder of MySpace. Okay, yeah, so Miami, MySpace, working in the mental health realm. Yeah, so like Facebook, you know, people be coming out the woodwork when they see your profile page, right? So I'm building up my profile page like everybody else is, and as I'm working in my professional job, I also started having an interest in another type of work that I was going to start doing, and that's casting. What is casting? So as a casting assistant, a casting associate, a casting director, or a casting producer, you're basically finding people for certain reality TV or film or theater projects. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah. Like this was like my a dream job. I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but... It was probably when I was, you know, in the nightlife and there was like all these big cameras and and whatever in the clubs. And I'm just like, oh, what is everybody doing? So that's when you can actually trust Craigslist. So I'm I'm like dropping all kinds of stuff already that has changed in the past 15 years. Like this shit is crazy. Like from MySpace to not being around to like freaking Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and Snapchat and Craigslist being what it is now, like you can look for legit jobs on Craigslist. I mean, I'm not going to totally shut down Craigslist right now, but at that time, 
when you're working in production, it was really good and easy to find jobs there, credible jobs. So I found a job helping out to do some casting for a fashion show. Like there's huge fashion shows in Miami. There's Miami Beach Week. There's Swim Week. There's just different designers coming to town. There's fashion shows at clubs. Like I am like the career multitasker. So you know, so you get to actually like pick a title on my on MySpace. Is that what your title was, like career multitasker? Something like that. With you know, in the background. <laughs> so I'm help, by this point, I'm already helping with a couple of shows. So make a long story short, I already did some shows by then and everything. So I had a friend hit me up through MySpace. What's his friend's name? I don't oh, want to tell. No, him. Yeah, okay. I don't even. Yeah, like if I, I can't even think of this person. So. Thanks for reminding me. I don't even want to call him a friend. So by then, I got a couple of jobs and gigs, as we call them, gigs. And the most recent was working with um, MTV, and they were doing a fashion show with one of the key stars in the reality show Real World. And I got to work with a really famous brand, and it was a brand that was very popular by its rapper. Wow. And I'm not even going to have y'all guess and all that stuff. Y'all probably wouldn't even remember. It was back in 2005 or 2006. But so I had somebody from college actually hit me up. And it's a he. And I don't even want to get into his name or a description of him. Um, I'm going to respect the fact that he's not in jail for what he did. And he probably doesn't even think it's a damn crime. I mean, maybe he's in jail now. Maybe he's gotten caught. Have you, like, looked him up or anything? I have not. Like, I can't even look at his freaking photo. Okay. Yeah. So, like, even right now, it kind of just, and I think a lot of survivors can, can have that, like, even the guilt that I face, like, not saying anything. Um, so, there's a gig in another state close to where I was from. Okay. I'll actually, i just go, go into it. It was in Philly. Oh, wow. That's yeah. where I'm from. Yeah. I mean, I only went up there a few times, like, you know, for the typical kind of... Uh, party scene, nightlife scene, restaurant scene, all that good stuff. And I had already been in Miami like a year and a half, almost two years. So I'm like, hey, you know, just like everyone else here, you're going to pay me for the gig and tell me all the things that I need to so I can set up for the casting gig. And what I normally do is I need a description of the candidates that they want to for their special project. So for this, it was a special project for the boxing ring girl. I know it sounds like you're probably like, why do you even need to get boxing ring girls? At this point, I had already casted for like reality TV shows and fashion shows and bottle servers for promotional gigs. I even was casting for some voiceovers. So I hadn't heard of or anyone had asked me to cast for ring girls and I knew that they were probably a big thing so my so the person who I'm talking about I knew him from college we actually had like a one or two kind of hookup and he had a good friend that he said was a boxer or the boxers ma- and the boxers manager so he had a good friend and apparently he was the boxers manager and he was just looking for you know pretty cute girls you guys can already visual what the girls wear right in my mind, I, I remember them just in heels and a bikini from the boxing games that I used to watch. Right. So it's very similar to what I was doing when I looked for girls for a fashion show. So, okay, next set location. Where am I going to do this? What type of platform am I going to look for these girls? You know, at this point, again, trusting Craigslist, we still can ask for 
a specific type of female and the job, how much it's paying, etc. So I had already set all this stuff up, and they purchased my ticket to go to Philly. I hadn't told my aunt and uncle. I really just hadn't told anybody. I was just going home. I didn't even tell my family I was visiting because this was going to just like kind of be like a red eye. I was going to go in that day. There's no freaking time difference. <laughs> you know, it's just Miami. Um, and go in, do the casting, be out. And come back. And come back. Like, super easy. So, I already had my itinerary for the get off the plane, you know, He's going to pick me up, and then we're going to go stay at this hotel. The next morning is when I booked the room for the hotel. That's where we're going to do the casting. Not a hotel room. It was like a smaller banquet room. So I'm at the Philadelphia airport. I arrived, and I'm calling him up. He's not answering. And I'm just wondering, like, well, he was supposed to pick me up. So then all of a sudden, I get a text message. It is from his line, and he basically says, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm running late. I'll be there soon. Just catch a taxi over to this place. And it wasn't the same hotel. Whoa. Now that's creepy. Yeah, it wasn't really creepy. It's just kind of like, okay, shit happens, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point, I wasn't super vigilant and knowing. Yeah, you're still like 23 years old and, you know, everything seems innocent. I, I say it's creepy because of all the true crime podcasts that I listen to now. It's like... All right, that's like the, the, the first sign of something going wrong. Okay. Right, but in the moment, you know, in the moment, I'm not really thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, no, right? of course. You're 23, you're coming from Miami, you're in Philadelphia, like, life is great. Shit, I'm looking good. <laughs> and you're probably looking, bye. <laughs> so, I get in the taxi cab, and this is one thing that I did know, that because I didn't know the location, and I really don't know the type of phone that I had, but it's not like you can just search and look around the surroundings of it. I was just really remembering knowing how long it took me to get there because I was like, this is going to be a freaking expensive-ass taxi cab, and I hope he doesn't think that I'm paying for this. That's the only reason why I knew how long it was to get there. It was probably about, like, 15, 20 minutes. And as soon as we got there, this is where all the drama starts. Like, if you want to cue that music, Sharice. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Wait, wait, wait. How much was your taxi I don't even remember. Okay. So... All right, I'm at the location. I see a Wawa. I know a lot of you East Coasters know what Wawa is. And I see a police station. It's not really an open police station. It just kind of looks like a, I don't know, maybe you're familiar with this, Shalice. That's like a satellite um, location. Yeah, they're all over Philadelphia. Yeah, it didn't look open. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is their purpose? Um, I don't really know what their purpose is. Honestly, you could tell me, like, the street number I could probably tell you when they get activated but you know in the event of they have to stand up an incident command or something because there's a negative incident happening in that area oh okay so it looked very busy it wasn't like a cheap rinky dink hotel so like obviously i'm looking at that too it just looked like a regular hotel under the name of very popular other hotels like it wasn't a motel wasn't cheap so we get out the taxi i'm looking at the taxi cab i'm looking around and i don't see him i see two big ass black guys and i am going to say black guys because i already know what you guys are thinking because you have this stereotypical view of what a pimp looks like or what a trafficker looks like again i'm going to go into the terms because i'm really not going to want to say pimp half of the time that association can just mix up a lot of things so i see two big black guys which could have been the security guards, right? 
What I'm thinking in my head right now, to be honest, Sharice, is that these are the two security guards and the, maybe the boxers actually staying here. Ah, yeah. that's, what, that's what you're thinking in your head at yeah. that moment in time. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, why else would a hotel change? And it's probably not close to the one where we were booked for the um, casting. Yep. So I'm just thinking, like, low-key, don't need to be telling everybody where this boxer's staying. These two guys look really um, big and, like, protective services or whatever. So I get out, and then the two guys are there. One pays a taxi cab driver, one standing next to me grabbing my bags, and then there's another guy that comes out. And for the life of me, to this day, I still can't picture his freaking face. At all. At all. Was he big? Was he small? He was just like an average-looking black guy. Like, he wasn't handsome, and he wasn't ugly. He just was, like, average. And I don't know if it's because maybe he kept his head down as I look back at it or what. So I'm looking at him, and he's like... Hey, you know, so-and-so couldn't be here, so I, but we got you guys all checked in and everything like that. And I'm like, you guys, but whatever, right? So I'm walking, and the front desk is right there. Do you know how it feels when you can, you know that somebody's, like, looking at you up and down, like, just staring at you? Like, they were in the same position, like, the taxi cab had just drove away, and you could just picture a still moment, like, just freeze right now and literally I could just I'm walking away and I could just feel freaking eyes on me from like the two black security guys looking the and then the, uh, yes how about the people at the front desk as well so I'm still walking into the hotel. into the hotel so I'm like back I'm at the gate at the door and then I could just hear oh yeah she is fine Ooh, from one of those three. No. Yeah. Actually, the guy. Oh, the average-looking the, the guy. Average, the average-looking guy. Let's just call him the damn trafficker because that's okay. what the hell he the is. Trafficker. He was a trafficker, right? So I'm at the front desk, and, like, I literally looked to my right, and there were two guys sitting down on, like, bar stools, and there were a, there was a girl standing next to each of the guys. They didn't look like security guys. Like, I thought, to me, they were the boxers. Because they looked very fit. Again, African-American. Just like they weren't looking like hoodish. I'm just trying to paint a picture. You know, they weren't looking like they were hoodish, but they also weren't looking like super professional either. Like they weren't in freaking suits and ties, but they didn't have like their jeans hanging down with their boxers hanging out. Exactly. And the girls, they just looked like they had on summer dresses. This was the summer. Yeah. This was the summer. So... I'm at the front desk, and the girl at the counter literally just hands me my key card. Like, I didn't say anything. I didn't check my name in. So I'm like, okay. At least my, the person that, you know, flew me in at least had this coordinated. And you I have to worry about anything. Yeah, I don't think I had to worry about anything, especially if those were actually the boxers yeah. for the night. And I'm like, okay, it's actually looking legit. Um, so as I'm walking to my room, they're still following me. So that's three grown-ass men still behind me. Like, one carrying my bags, and I'm like, no, I got it. And they're like, no, I got it. And I'm just like, okay, right. And you could just, I just feel them. Ugh, I just feel their eyes so on my gross. freaking body. I just felt so disgusting. And I literally just flew in regular pair of jeans and um, a, shirt, a shirt, like yeah. just a regular shirt. Uh, so here it is again. Dun, 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 dun. I 
put my key card in the freaking door, and there's two girls in club dresses. Like, really, really short, shiny dresses. Tight dresses. Like, super overdressed. I'm like, oh, snap. You know, maybe they want to take me, you know, take me out in in Philly and just to kind of go out. Because, I mean, why else would I want to come from Miami to Philly and, like, do this big boxing gig casting? these girls in your room. Like, that is your room. Thank you, right? So... The, one of the guys throws my bags onto the floor, and then I turn around, and the guy who's, like, the trafficker is there, and he closes the door and locks it. But you have a key. Well, yeah, I have the key. So the two girls are on the couch. They're actually crushing something and about to snort it. So let me go back because I don't do drugs. Yes. Right? Y'all know who I said I was staying with, my auntie and uncle in internal affairs and law enforcement. Yep. Former SWAT. I don't be doing those club drugs type of thing. Nothing. So I didn't know what kind of drug it was. Um, and then he just looks at me. And he was like, so your ass is staying here and you're working tonight. That's all he said. What does that mean? I mean, you're working to get, you know, your, your fashion show up or the boxing gig up or you're like, what is that? That's it. That, you're working tonight. Just you're working tonight and they and will show staying here. and your ass is staying here. Oh, and by the way, this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so and they'll get you up to speed and you better be good by tomorrow because we're leaving for Vegas. What? Wait, wait. Fucking leaving, leaving for, for Vegas. Vegas. What mm-hmm. the hell do you know is in Vegas? Um, so I know that like Vegas is the only state, I think Nevada actually is the only state where prostitution, which is what it's titled, is legal, where it's, you have, yeah, wow, and he just told you just like that. Hey. Told me just like that, left the damn room, I turn around, I'm looking at these two girls, they're freaking snorting their shit, and I'm like, yep, these look like sex workers, prostitutes, hookers, prostitutes, hookers whatever you guys want to call them, yeah. everything that you, everything that you could have think of is across my mind. Like, I'm not being discriminatory. I'm not, I don't know all the rules and life and the game and all that stuff. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't even know what a pimp is at this point and his girls. I have so many questions, right. but I'm not going to ask them. Okay. Like finish and I'll save them. Oh, all right. Save your questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are. Here's another one. Here's another one. The girl is, one's black. Tall, skinny, her dress was like literally falling off of her. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm in casting, right? So I'm not trying to like put down anybody or be judgmental, but I'm, I'm looking at her because that's what I do. I, somebody gives me a, a, a description and I go find that person to fit that description. Yeah. Somebody gave this trafficker my description or gave them me. So you and this girl. You kind of have the same description. No. No, not at all. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, because they're looking for a variety, and you were... Damn, you're getting there. So, I look at the other girl, a thick, short, Asian girl. Long hair, little chubby, and what do you think that I am? You're a mixture of the two of them. Damn. A a medium size, or in height, thin, freaking Asian and African-American girl. Absolutely. I'm disgusted with myself. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's so many things running in my mind. So I know I said I'd save all my questions to the end, but, like, I have so many questions. And I can only imagine, like, you had so many things running through your mind. Did you did you try and open the door? Like, what happened when you opened the door? So as soon as they were done snorting whatever they were sorting, they said, yeah, we have to go walk the, sh- 
the strip. So you can either choose to stay in Philly or we get on a bus and we go to Atlantic City. Just like that. It wasn't like, I mean, you, you still, you're still in your jeans and your shirt from the plane. You got your bags. Like, Victoria, did you open the door? <laughs> so I freaking froze. And they both grabbed an arm and they sat me down on the bed and said, you better not try to leave tonight. You saw all those guys downstairs. They're still downstairs and they ain't leaving. We're all going to Vegas in the morning. I'm not trying to get beat up for you. So if you try anything, we're going to fuck you up. Literally. And I'm like, I mean, come on now. I'm looking at them like you ain't going to do nothing. You skinny one and then you, you chubby one. But at the same time, they you're, just snorted whatever the hell they just yeah. snorted. That could have been the Hulk coming out in like 20 minutes or and something. You're still, I mean, at the end of the day, you're still a baby. You're 23, 24 years old. You're just like, you're coming to Philadelphia for this awesome gig to like get some models for a boxing uh, fight. Fast money. Fast money, you know, you're on a red eye, as you said, and, like, it was supposed to be in and out, and now here you are, these three men that you don't know just threw you in a room and told you that you're leaving for Vegas in the morning and that you're working tonight. Yeah. So, what I also heard from them is that you're lucky that they ain't break you the fuck in. So, again, I'll tell you guys about the terms later, but breaking you in is pretty much they would rape you. But, like I said, they'd assault you, pretty much break you down mentally, physically, I mean, it, it's really sad. So just take everything. Right? Yeah, I mean, take your take your being from you. Yeah, it's, you know what? It's probably like been thirty minutes that lapsed. Like I don't even remember the time, right? So they're scaring the shit out of me. I'm still like, I really want to just like piss in my pants right now. I'm sitting there. I don't even know this is real. I can't believe this is happening. I've been in a dangerous party city, and nothing like this was a freaking thought in my mind. Victoria, like, where was your phone? All right. So damn, you'd be asking some good questions. So. They had grabbed my bag. The two girls had grabbed my bags. I had nothing on me. So it was like cell phone was in there. They even told me, like, don't even think about grabbing your cell phone. Like, nothing is yours right now. And I was like, well, listen, I'm in my shirt and I'm in my jeans. Like, I don't think you guys want me to do this tonight. Like, I seriously. And they were like, just don't make us call him back in here. Oh, my God. They had fucking dresses and shoes for me to put on. Like this fool who knew me from college must have knew, or just or just knowing my looks on MySpace, knew my sizes or like knew my style and shit. Because they're like, just put this on and let's go. Like the faster we get this done, the more we can cut the you know the faster we could just get here. But his coward ass didn't show up at the airport. He wasn't there at the hotel. Okay. I, I couldn't even, you know what, it's funny because I couldn't even think of him. At that time, I was like, how am I here? I already knew he set me up because there's no other way that this is happening the way it's happening. It's disgusting. So I change, and these girls are, like, being a little bit more, like, nicer to me. And as we start walking, by the way, yes, when we left the freaking – um, hotel. That girl that was at the freaking front desk is out there chilling with all the damn security guard people. Of course she looking. was. And I'm just, just freaking in on it, too. Again, I didn't see that guy. That was my last time that I ever saw him. Again, the trafficker. The, the, their daddy. The average looking. Yeah, their daddy. So he, they're telling me everything. They're like, he's my daddy. The black girl was like, I've been with him for like five years. Like, I'm tired. Like, I just thought I saved enough money. You know, she's telling me about the life. 
They live somewhere in um, Vegas or Nevada or whatever, and they also have a spot in Philadelphia, apparently. Um, they do a lot of stuff in New Jersey as well, in Atlantic City, because of the casinos and stuff. And the Asian girl's like, yeah, he just bought me a Jaguar. And I was like, well, how long y'all been together? She's like, almost 10 years. I really want to get my nursing degree. And, um, you know, I'm his main bitch. So, like, I mean, again, I'll go into the language, but the main girl is the bottom bitch. And she's the one who's in charge of the other girls. And you don't fuck with her. And if if something happens to the other girls, like myself, like if I would have got in trouble or if I didn't listen, he would beat the shit out of her because it's her responsibility. I guess it's why they call her the bottom bitch, not the top bitch. Then hmm, I didn't think about it like that. That's a way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you're you're going to take the responsibility for everybody else's crap. Yeah, but you get a jaguar. Exactly, and just, like, around this time. Yeah. So I I didn't know the equivalence of that or the, you know, whatever. So she was like, when we get back in Vegas, like, I'm just going to stop. Like, I want to have, you know, we want to have kids. And I'm thinking about, like, how do you have a whole relationship with this freaking man? This this individual who's, like, kidnapping other women and then selling them for whatever. Yeah, so at this point, I still don't understand what my purpose and my role was. When he said, you know, they're going to break you in or she's, they said, you know, I need to get broken in or, or, you know, I avoided getting broken in. I mean, they were going to teach me how to make money. So in my head, I'm like, okay, so clearly you ladies didn't get to keep none of your damn money because I would have left by then. And you keep saying that he bought you the Jag. So how come you couldn't buy your own car by then? And the way that y'all are dressed and the way that you look, it doesn't seem like you take care of yourself. Exactly. So, yes, we're walking, Sharice, we are walking, and I start to actually build a relationship with them. So, going back to my, you know, introduction, I majored in psychology. I am a very good judge of character. I'm a smart girl. I've been in casting. I know a lot of, like, reality people. A lot of the reality producers know who they can, um, I'm not going to say manipulate, because manipulation is very very important in this um, sex trafficking scheme of things. But um, the way that you can see the potential in somebody, Mm. right? So I'm building trust with them and whatever drug that they were on, they're coming down a little bit. So with you being in the, you know, in the, uh, a member of the police, like what drug do you think it was that they snorted or whatever they took that now they're, they're coming down actually. Were they were they hyper? Like um, they weren't really hyper. They were just alert, um, and they were seemingly needing it to stay awake. Probably cocaine. Okay, I would go with cocaine. Definitely not heroin. Yeah, not a downer. Okay, so we're walking, we're talking, and they're telling me how to pick the average John, right? So again. Uh, just to let y'all know a little bit is that that's just the name kind of like when people find a you know a a murdered body that's a female they call them Jane Doe yeah so a buyer has been labeled a John right but a typical John when you think of a typical John who you thinking I'm thinking like uh an older man um race irrelevant honestly um not a lot of money, but, like, you know, I guess upper, lower, middle class. Well, you're right on it, but race is relevant. 
They told me that a good John to pick is a white man. Oh, wow. They are safer. That's what they said. Okay. They are safer. They have the money. They will pay you. Victoria, you know, we could be your sisters. We'll take care of you. You look like you can make us a lot of money. And I'm just, us a lot of money. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this is like I'm a part of a family now. Like, what? I don't understand. It, it ain't even been a whole day yet. It hasn't even been. It's been a couple of hours. They were tired. And this is why they said they were tired. The day before, they had got another girl. Oh, my. And took her to Vegas. Uh, excuse me. Took her to Atlantic City. So they got another girl. Oh, my God. And that's when they rode the bus to Atlantic City. So they had been doing the very same thing with another young lady in Atlantic City. It just makes me so sad because it seems like these two girls have, like, the freedom to go in and out and leave as they please. But clearly something was keeping them there. And it wasn't the money because they weren't getting it. So it was like, was it fear? (laughs) I love your question. No, it's something that we call trauma bond. Damn. And we'll get into it again. This is great. So... The way that Sharice just described it is like, how come they didn't get away? How come you guys heard me literally say the black girl was seven years, the Asian girl was like, I think I said nine or ten years or something like that, and she's five and ten. Yeah, she's like tired. At this point, she looked like she's tired. And if she told me that they took her to Atlantic City and just got back, that means they didn't sleep. It doesn't make sense. They couldn't have slept. And they did. They don't need to because they're on all those drugs. Right. And they did tell me that she escaped. Mm. Yeah. So that was my belief in a higher power. Inkling of hope. There was my inkling of hope. And that was when I was talking to the universe. Whatever you guys believe in, I was sending them out. I was saying the prayers. I was saying my hopes. I was strategizing in my head. Some people are practical. Some people, you know, are, like, strategizing. Like, I was putting so much shit together. But the main thing that came to my head as a result of all this talking and walking and, you know, them telling me how to have sex and make money and be safe was going out of my ear. What I was hearing was they wanted a family. Yep. They wanted someone to give them a break, right? Yeah. So I started making them my sisters. There were some points that I was crying, and I was just like, I just want to be the best sister that I can be. I'm sorry that I was, you know, I was being very apologetic. I was just like, I was just winning them over. You're building their trust in you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... I was making it seem like to them that I wasn't going to try to get away because that's what happened to the girl. And they were trying to do everything in their power because it sounded like they could not go to Vegas without another girl. You were, you you were restoring their hope so that they wouldn't get in trouble, that they wouldn't get beat and that they would get a break and get some freedom. Yes. So, it's, you know, the, the night's winding down. They're tired. Their feet, their feet hurt. You can tell. We get back to their room. Yes, we walk into the damn hotel. They were still there. And I'm just like, what, were they, what if they were just paid? What if they were just paid for the night to manage us? And this trafficker, what you guys will notice, you know, notice later on is that they don't need to be seen. They're, they're, they're the ones that 
you won't remember. You don't have their direct contact information. Like you won't know anything about them because he's the main person. Like he's the one handling everything. He's right? protected. He's protected. And he ensures that his protection is there. Yeah. His name won't be on shit. So we get back in the room and these girls are so tired. Like they're fighting it. Like they are fighting to go to sleep. They're like, please, Victoria, don't just, you know, just don't leave. Just, you know, like, let's just be here, you know. So they're like literally staring at me, trying to like watch TV and like keep their eyes open. And I just kind of looked at them. I gave them a hug and I said, y'all can just go to sleep. Like, I just really need to take a shower. I mean, y'all have everything. I see that they're still downstairs. Like, I don't even know this area. Like, I still don't know this area. They even took me around and I still didn't know where I was. I would just, I mean, I went to Philly, you know, we, we were in the, and we were in town, not in town, but we were where like, you know, the Rocky Steps are or something like around that area where you're like, wow. every time you turn a block, it's just like another museum yeah. or like another building. I didn't know where I was. I Center literally did. Yeah. It was center city. Literally. So while we were, you know, while we were in the room and I was strategizing at this point, I knew I was their family member. I, I felt like I had built their trust and that they were going to close their eyes. I was going to get the hell away. But now how was I going to get away? Because those people, those those three guys are still downstairs. That front desk person is in on it, you know, and, like, you don't know where you're at, and you don't have your cell phone. Right. So, unbeknownst to me, I asked them to go to the bathroom, and my bags are in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if they knew that. I don't know if the guys came back in and put my bags there after they searched it. But, I mean, hello, my phone was, like, right there. I don't, I don't know how they didn't see my phone. Like, that was my saving grace. I think when I was putting all the hopes and my prayers out there and we were going on walks that they didn't see my phone. And this is where it gets really good because I'm telling them I'm going to wash my hair and I had really long, like curly hair. So I had to flat iron it and I had to break, you know, use my flat iron. So I told the girls, I was like, you know how it is. It takes me forever. Like I really need to get started. I need, you know, shampoo, conditioner, and I just need to like be able to blow dry my hair, flat iron it. They're like, oh my God, that's going to take it forever. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, whatever. So I get to shower running and then they're like checking on me like these girls are like opening the freaking shower oh my god why are in there like checking to make sure i'm there i'm like this shit's never gonna work so i get to the point where they're like why are you taking so long and i'm like i'm sorry you know blah blah so i get out get dressed and did you get dressed back into like your jeans and t-shirt or did you put on pajamas that's a good question. I think I, I like, literally had to look like I put on night clothes. Like, wow. I, I did put on night clothes. And they were in their clothes still. They, they had no clothes. Like, legit, they were still in that same blue dress. The Asian girl had on a white dress, and they kept their shoes on. And I'll tell you that, um, in the, you know, in the next episodes that they're, they're very hypervigilant, but they're also just trained and, like, accustomed to that. Like, they don't know when they're going to have to get to work. They just want to catch a nap and, and some sleep anytime. Sure. Like, they're constantly moving. Like, constantly in work mood, wearing yeah. their work clothes, ready to, to work. Yeah they're, yeah, they're working right now. Like, they're working, taking care of me. And somebody could come into the room right now. Like, they don't know if a customer is going to come in. You know? So they got to always be ready. Yeah. So, nonetheless... We get to the point where I'm, like, blow-drying the shit out of my hair. Like, it's taking me forever. And I'm, like, blow-drying it. And they were falling asleep. Finally, they're laying down falling asleep on the further bed. 
because there was two beds in there. And then I had an epiphany. I remembered my college boyfriend who I even to this day, I can recite his telephone number right now. And I remembered that he lived in a town that was like near Philly, but he didn't live in Philly. So I said, please, Lord, can I, if I call him, I only have a few minutes. Like, I just want to be able to get him on the phone. And the last time we spoke, he actually knew I was in Miami on MySpace. I mean, clearly he knows, he knows I'm in Miami. So I was thinking in my head, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? So I dialed his number and he freaking answered. Oh my God. And I literally was just like, Hey, I'm here at this hotel. It took me about 15, 20 minutes from the airport. It's across from a Wawa. There's like a police station, which is weird, but it doesn't work. And can you come here in like 15 minutes? Like, it's an emergency. It's like life or death. Like, please. He's like, what? Victoria? Are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not. I need you to find a side door or somewhere because I am. I need you to just come 15 minutes. And I hung up. Did you at least know the name of the hotel? Like, were you able to give him that? I knew the... Um, you know how they have like a, a the, the, like like the name brand hotel, and then they yeah. have something under it. So like if they have what is it Hyatt Regency, or like they have the Marriott and then Hyatt. Yeah, I, I don't. If that makes sense, it does. Like the Holiday Inn is like a, a brand of I don't know something. Maybe it's Sheraton. Maybe it's Marriott. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. So like if it was like the Marriott, it was like the Marriott Residences Inn type okay. of thing. Yeah, that's a good example. So it was like the Marriott, but like the residence is in. So I was able to just say kind of like the Marriott or whatever. And no, I'm not exploiting any other hotel that's involved in sex trafficking. There are a lot of, and maybe I'll just talk about those articles later, but there are a lot of hotels being sued right now because they let this go right under their noses, especially with minors. So for the sake of this episode, you're not going to give out the name of the hotel, but you were able to give him more detailed information that helped him that would help him find you no i didn't i didn't give him any deep what you guys just heard me say i said to him in a matter of like seconds like i literally said i don't know the name of this hotel but it took 15 to 20 minutes from the airport i know i'm in philly i know that there's a wawa and and a police station that has no name and it's not even freaking open like it just was like tripping me out and then you know he's like well and i said just find it so I had 15 minutes. I told him 15 minutes. So I'm probably on half of my side of my hair, on my head. And I'm doing my hair, and I'm checking on these ladies, and they finally fell asleep. And I didn't even care if I left my shit. But I was able to crack the door open. Good. Yeah, good. It's not, it wasn't, like, locked in from the yeah. inside. Yeah. But when I checked, there weren't anybody in the hallway, and the two guys weren't, like, standing in, next to my room, which was the saving grace. I'm thinking at this point, it's like four or five in the morning. Like, I really don't know. It's still dark, uh, you know. So I'm like, this is it. This is my chance. Just maybe like, hey, maybe I could just like drop a bag. And if five minutes comes and nobody saw me drop that bag and I'm going to prop the door open with something, then I think I'm in the clear. So I looked to the left, looked to the right, and it seemed like the right had steps to go down. And I'm like, if these steps go down somewhere, there got to be a door. Yep. And that's what I'm praying for. And I'm like, please, Lord, something is at the end of that, down this, those steps at the end of this hallway. So it's been five minutes since I dropped the bag. So it's literally been 15 minutes. So I gave, after the phone call, I waited like 10 minutes. That's when I had like creeped and looked left and right. There was nobody. I dropped the bag and then nobody had came for the bag. So I was like, this is it. This is my opportunity. So I literally 
bolted out of there, grabbed my bag, and I'm, like, running. And then I could hear somebody, like, hey, hey. And I look back, and I'm like, oh, my God. So all I just remember is black, like, black face, black sweater, like, just black. And then I'm, like, running down the steps as fast as I can. And then I open the door, and there's, like, hallelujah, an angel. He is sitting in my car. My friend who I called, my ex-boyfriend. He's sitting in his car. Sorry. Yeah. He's sitting in his car. Sorry, I'm, like, really trying not to get emotional. He's sitting in his car. It's running, and he's looking at me, passenger side door, facing me, and the window's down, and I, like, throw my bag in there. And he's like, Victoria, are you okay? I'm like, no. When I get in, you have to go. By the time I sat down in the seat, there was somebody opening that door, like, in a freaking movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, go. And then we just skirted off, and I'm crying, and I'm shaking, and I'm, like, grabbing his hand, like, thanking him, thanking God. And I was just doing the most. And then he's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. I need to go to an airport. And he's like, what if somebody's following us? And I wasn't even thinking about anything yeah, like that. Like at that moment, I was like, you're right. I was like, can you just drive around? And he was like, yes. So we drove around for like 20 minutes. I'm like still crying. There doesn't seem like anybody's following us. He's like, do you want to go to the police station? I said, no, I just want to park somewhere far away, but close to the airport because I think that they're going to know I'm going to the airport. Mm. So that was like my greatest fear was going to the airport because I just had a feeling that they were going to be there. That's so, that's so scary. Like, I felt in my mind that he knew that the trafficker knew which flights were all going to Miami. And, like, you know, even, uh, even if you got on the plane, like, or when you did, I'm sure you were still scared. Like, looking to your left and looking to your right, like, are they going to get you when you get off? Are they going to follow you back from the airport to your house? So we found a mall parking lot, and there was, like, a security guard in there with, like, the lights on and everything. And I ba- and, um, basically my ex told him my story, and was like, and, and we were just like, can we just park here for, like, an hour? We just need to, like, lay low for a little bit. I need to check, like, other flights. Like, he needs to figure out, like, if I could st- should stay anywhere. Like, I was just scared of everything. And, like, the security guard was like, why don't you just tell somebody? Why don't you just go get the cops right now? I'm like, I know nobody's names. I know nobody's legit names except for the person who brought me here. And I don't know in my head what I should do. So we just sat there for like an hour or two, and I was just crying. And I said, you know what? I don't care. Can you buy my ticket with, you know, with my name on it, with your card? And I'm going. I'm going on the next flight. I don't care. It had been like two hours. And I had turned my phone off, by the way. I didn't tell you guys, but like I had literally turned off my phone as soon as I got in the car. And I turned it back on like two hours later out of fear. And I just, it was so many phone calls. And the only people that were leaving me messages was the Asian girl. And she's like, please don't do this. Like, oh I'm like, he's going to kill me. They had your phone number. And that was like the worst part was like knowing that I don't, I didn't know her safety. But this was my opportunity. Like, I was trying to call the guy that set this shit up. And, of course, my, his voicemail was coming on. And then at one point, it was like, you know, he turned off his phone. And then, like, I'm, like, I'm just thinking in my head, like, what else can they find? What else do they know? Yeah. Will they have somebody in Miami looking for me? Like, I, I just had so many things going on. And then I was just going to get back home to my auntie and uncle and just tell them everything. Because I knew I would be safe there. And, you know, and, and the other things as I talk about it, like, 
my ex didn't ask me any questions. Like, he was just there. He just asked, are you okay? Are you safe? Do you want me to buy your ticket? Like, he was even willing to just fly with me. And I just didn't want to put that on him because I know he had to go to work the next day. He was up all night waiting for me, you know, at the par- car parking lot. He already sort of, like, exposed his his safety and his vulnerability because those people could have followed us and, like, just got us on the way just leaving the hotel. Like, exactly. there, could have been, there could have been somebody on standby in a car, like, waiting. But, I mean, it, it, it's funny how he put it. It was almost like, but would they really do all that for you? And you guys will know later on as we get to the terms that we're we're replaceable. Just like they got me the next day that the other girl got es- that escaped, they yeah. clearly don't know what the hell they're doing in Philly, but they might be doing this shit a lot in Vegas or whatever. And I'm not going to say the person that I knew in college who did this, and if he ever hears this, he wasn't a no-low-life person either. So I don't know how he became connected with this person. Because of money. Money money makes the world go round. It's just so sad, you know, that this person who knew you from college was willing to exploit you, right? And I'm sure that he was going to get a, a bit of the cut. Yeah. you. Know, how much money do you think he got from me? Like, that goes on. Fifteen years later, I'm still thinking about why and how did you benefit from this? Like, what dollar amount did you get for me, and I'm thankful that I never got raped that night. I'm thankful that I talked to girls out of like they were. They were telling me that I had to do something before I got back to the hotel, but I was just convincing them that, like I know everything. I'm their little sister, and like they could trust me, and I don't have to do anything. Like when they were telling me about the girl that was in Atlantic City, like she had like three or four tricks that she had before that she night. was able to escape. Yes, that night. And then they were all telling me, like, she just didn't get it. Like, she told me at one time, like, they were yelling at her because she was crying after giving the guy a blowjob. And we were telling her, like, you can't do that. He's watching you. And that's another thing that I'll tell you guys is, like, they're always nearby. They're always watching. But so tell that girl that she can't have the feelings that she's uh, – that just – it's horrible. Yeah. But I did, you know, get on a flight. I was home in Miami shortly after that. And – you know, clearly I never used that phone again. I changed my number, you know, did all that stuff. Did you tell your aunt and uncle? No. To this day. I'm surprised you guys are going to find that on your podcast. Ah! It's okay. Yeah. So how was that flight? I mean, I can only imagine you being on that flight and, like, were you able to sleep? I mean, were you even able to sleep the days following you getting no. home? No. No, when you talk about being hyper vigilant, I was super on like my tippy toes almost. It was like I was ready to. I don't know, like everything that was running in my mind was about safety and and not thinking everybody was out to get me and do this very same thing. So the last thing that was on my mind was trying to tell on them or get them in trouble, or seek justice, what I was trying to do was just make sure that those weren't people in freaking Miami. Like, those weren't the same people that could be down the street near my family members. Or I just wanted to find a way to... That was my that was my window of where I am 15 years later. Like, helping the very same victims. It's, it started to pave the way. And I... You know, and when people say... 
oh, if I survive this, then, you know, I will never do anything wrong and blah, blah, blah. I remember saying that if I survive this or if I can get away, that I will make sure that I will be in this field helping others. Yeah, like this whole thing, Victoria, is crazy. And like you've told me your story um, a few times and I've heard it, you know, heard you tell others. But it's just to hear you tell it like in this environment where it's just you and me, two microphones and headphones, it's it's very real. Um, and it's kind of weird for me because I remember I watched this episode of SVU, Law & Order, and very similar circumstances. This dude met this girl online and he flew her to come stay with him. And, um, next thing you know, he's buying her like these nice items, shoes or whatever. And then he starts pimping her out. And it's so surreal because you see these things happening on TV, happening on movies, but you never realize like how close it is to, to you and to your life. And like, I'm so sad that this happened to you. I'm sad that it happens to anybody, um, but I'm very thankful that you were able to get out and escape and live to tell your story. And not only live to tell your story, but do this podcast where you're bringing the awareness and the education to the public so that we can hopefully prevent these things from happening in the future so that no young child, 23 years old, straight out of high school, I'm sorry, straight out of college, is potentially exploited and then never lives to see her family again. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for being real. And thank you for bringing awareness to this very real issue in our society. Thank you. And, I mean, I know... I I just have to take that deep sigh because I'm just trying not to be emotional. And I know that you are out there that also deserve for your story to be heard. And it's not, again, just about getting justice or seeking justice. And I know a lot of people are like, why don't you want to get him in trouble? Do you still want to get him in trouble and all these things? All these things go in my mind all the time. And I'm not going to lie. There was a recent picture of this person who came out on social media. And I didn't know what to do. I was in shock. I was in fear. I was disgusted. And I just didn't want to be associated with him or that situation. And I will tell you that I look forward to bringing people on the air, but I also look forward to having more conversations like this or maybe even having like a Q&A for people to just kind of talk about the terms or that I can further explain and define some of these things that are very much out there. Like you all don't see it, but it's right under your noses. It's right in front of your eyes. If you just really look and I didn't act different. I didn't like, um, shame myself. Like a lot of other victims may have themselves, but I got into this work. I made it a life long career job opportunity to be a part of this movement. So back in 2006, I had quit one of my jobs where I was working and I looked for positions that I can help victims that were commercially sexually exploited, that were trafficked, that were in the life as prostitutes or sex sex workers 
and maybe I'll have another episode where I talk a little bit about me, um, not my story, but the careers that I've been in and also where I am today. But again, I want to be able to have some victory through voices unheard, some of the truths, because I don't want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not covering those kind of stories, uh, even though that, that that was sad. You know, I, I just don't want to I want to be able to give women of color myself like myself. I want to give people of color like myself a platform. I want to be able to talk a lot about the truths because it's not like the movies. It's not like the movies. Point blank, period. I mean, there are some good movies out there. I mean, Holly Berry's Kidnapped showed a little bit about it. I mean, there's literally the movie Trafficked. There's a movie called Eden. There's a movie, I mean, obviously you guys know Taken 1 and 2, but um, there's another movie with... It's called Anna, right? Isn't there a movie named Anna? Or am I, am I tripping? Oh, uh, it is Eden. Okay. Yeah, it is Eden. Um, and then there's the one with... Um, there's like a movie with Ashley Judd, who she's a, uh, a huge advocate there's a lot of organizations like Thor that's with Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore who are more on the technology side of commercial sexual exploitations, um, crimes, and sex trafficking. There's a lot of uh, work being done internationally, a lot of humanitarian work, but I'm focused on the domestic. I'm focusing on, right now, 15 years later, the minors involved in this and um, that's because of the recent law changes where there's no, well, in a lot of states, not all of them yet, but I can also get into that too. But there's um, a lot of states where minors, can you believe that, cannot get arrested anymore for prostitution. There is no such thing as a freaking child prostitute. I can't believe that there was ever such yeah. thing as a child prostitute. Disgusting. And I think this is good because it's like you're, you're, you're taking the voices of the unheard and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. Um, and, and as you said, so that they can build strength through sharing their stories because strength is important as a survivor. You have to be strong. You have to find a way to, to find that strength. Yeah, thank you. So, hey, stay tuned for future episodes. I thank you guys for listening. I feel 100 times better. For getting a chance to tell my story to hopefully thousands of individuals. But it's not even that. It's just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. Absolutely. Even if it's just one person or 1,000, you know, the fact that you could reach anybody. uh, Amazing. Amazing. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to uh, co-host today. You're welcome. All right. Love y'all. Love you, Sharice. Deuces. Bye. Hi, everyone. It's Victoria, the host of Unseen. I hope that you feel, as a survivor, empowered and seen, if not heard. And if you know someone that needs help or you want to report a tip, You can always contact the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or by texting BEFREE, that's B-E-F-R-E-E, or 23733, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can also visit Polaris Project at polarisproject.org to learn about human trafficking. 
please tune in next time for another episode of Unseen the Trafficking Truth with your host, me, Victoria.